Well, can you believe we are just one week away from kickoff? And one of the things that we love to do with the first series of our new fall season is we try to pick a series that, that um, a lot of people can relate to, that a lot of people can resonate with. And it is not going to surprise me at all if some of the loudest amens that we get throughout this series are actually coming from people who don't like to identify with church people. I think those are going to be some of the loudest amens. I I think they're going to be coming from people who have a hard time identifying with Christians because the way they've seen Christians act. I think a lot of you, if that's you, you're going to like this series. And along those lines, it is not going to surprise me at all if the people who I upset the most are the people who would rate their own righteousness the highest. It wouldn't surprise me at all. The, the, the folks who say, you know, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that person over there, the parable that Jesus told. The, the series that we're starting today, it's called The New Pharisees. The New Pharisees. And the gist of this series is going to be a challenge all of us, all of us, myself, you, all of us, to challenge all of us to take another look at what does it mean to authentically follow Jesus in a world that's lost its way. That's the gist of what we're going to be talking about here today. So let's dive right in. Growing up, I never understood why churches were so divided. I, I, was, I was blessed to grow up in this, this uh, small town, Hastings, where our youth groups, at least most of our youth groups, we would do stuff together. We would combine on retreats. We would combine for events. We had this gathering. We called it the prayer breakfast. All of these people from all these different churches, a bunch of teenagers, we'd get together and we'd pray before we'd head off to school. It helped that they had donuts, but we would pray and we'd do it. We even teamed up on trips to Mexico, all these different churches. So I grew up with this paradigm of why are churches so divided? And then I became a pastor. <laughs> and... I have had a front row seat to wave after wave after wave of what I'm going to call Bible plus pressure. Bible plus pressure. Bible plus pressure is when a person or a group tries to pressure you to, quote, take a strong stand for God, when what they're really asking you to do is have a strong stand for their beliefs about God, their opinions about God their thoughts about God. Let me give you just a couple examples. It was hard to limit this because there's so many. I remember when we launched a brand new worship service at another church. And about one year in, people started coming to me and they would say, why are we singing that song? Because you know it's not a worship song if you use the word I or we. I'm like, what are you even talking about? Have you read the Psalms? Here's an example, Psalm, Psalm 21, verse 13. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing of your greatness. We'll sing your praise, your power. I think you can make a case. How do you sing a worship song without saying, God, we praise you. I praise you. You are wonderful. I think you can make that case. So after hearing many people say that those similar things, I'm like, where is this coming from? And sure enough those people were all listening to the same influencer who was teaching a Bible plus gospel. Here's another example. There was a time, and I'm not making this up, 
There was a time we dedicated a child and I got an email from a guy who used the word insidious to describe that moment. Insidious to describe a moment in which parents brought their kids forward to be blessed. They used the word insidious. And so I did a little investigation. And sure enough, at that time, there was an influencer who was using the word insidious in reference to infant dedications versus infant baptisms. And I felt like that scene in The Princess Bride where one of the characters goes, you keep using that word, but I do not think you know what that word means. (laughs) Sure enough, again, he was parroting a teaching that he heard from an influencer who was preaching a gospel of Bible plus. I could do this all day. Baptism, communion, end time, spiritual gifts, physical intimacy, gender, the pandemic, race, immigration, politics, the number of things that people want us to take a strong stand on are coming at us faster and faster and faster. And the intensity, the pressure to conform to their way of seeing things, it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And what's happening? People are dividing more and more into these groups, these groups. And in these groups, because they're echo chambers, these groups, everyone in those groups, they're getting more fearful of and angry at those who disagree with them. People are are becoming more divided, and most of what divides them is not the Bible, it's Bible plus. It's Bible plus. That's not the vision that Jesus cast for his church. If you believe like I do that there's a better way than the way that we're seeing modeled all around us, I've got good news. We're not the first to feel this pressure. And we've got specific scriptures that we can look at that can help us navigate these waters. That's what we're going to do in this series. In this series, we're going to learn how to distinguish the gospel of Jesus Christ from the gospel of the Pharisees and how we can protect our hearts, our minds, our churches from the influence of those other gospels. All right, if you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down. Let's talk first about the Pharisees of Jesus' day. The Pharisees of Jesus' day were first century influencers. They were a group of first century influencers who were considered experts in God's laws and they were considered examples of what it looks like to live those laws out, to live a God-honoring life. But in reality, those Pharisees, it was Bible plus. It was the scriptures of their day plus Now, we don't know a whole lot about the Pharisees outside of the ancient documents that are included in our Bible. This was interesting. I was doing research on this. At least the sources I looked at said the only writing, the only existing writings that we even have from Pharisees are from one. And he was a former Pharisee. We know him as Paul. And Paul's writings aren't affirming of the Pharisees, they're a takedown of the belief system that it was based on. That was really interesting. All right, well, why did Paul, who was a Pharisee at one time, why did he reject the teachings of the Pharisees? Because he had become a Christian, and he found these two things were incompatible. The next thing I'd invite you to write down is this. The first century Pharisees rejected the gospel. They rejected the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. In this series, we're going to focus on one of Paul's letters, a letter that was written to the Galatians. 
And the gospel is at the heart of all of Paul's letters. You can go into the, in Paul's letters, you can find him using different words, different imagery to describe the story of Jesus, the good news about Jesus. Here's one example from Galatians where you can see this, this gospel. He's talking about it. If you have your Bibles with you, let's open up to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Uh, if you don't have a Bible at home and you'd like to look, uh, look up a free Bible app that's got a great one, go to Bible.com. And they've got an excellent, excellent resource you can download there. All right, here we go. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Here's one example of many where Paul is, is sharing this good news of Jesus. All right, he says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons, as daughters, that, that you are sons. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but you're a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir through God. So here we've got this great news, this great news that in the fullness of time, a God who so loved the world sent his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God, through Jesus' death and resurrection, made a way for us to become sons and daughters of God. And he also modeled the way, the truth, and the life so that we have an existing example that we can follow. Now, one of the reasons Paul is writing to the Galatians is he's calling them out. You look, Galatians has a very different tone than some of these other letters. He's, he's calling these people out. He says, this is a different gospel. This gospel that you are listening to from these other teachers, it is a different gospel altogether. And before this series is done, I, I hope we, we, can, we can have time as we're looking at Paul's words and, and also look at the words of Jesus too. Because Jesus had some really strong things to say about these Pharisees. In fact, one of the examples I hope we have time to look at later on is this one where Jesus heals a man and the man's hand had been all shriveled up and Jesus heals this, guy hand, this guy's hand. I think it was right in the synagogue, but it was on a Sabbath. So it says these Pharisees, instead of rejoicing at this miracle, they plotted how to kill Jesus as a result of this. And then there's another time, and we'll show you his words later in the series. The Pharisees accused Jesus of doing the devil's work. Unbelievable. Again, some of the strongest words you're going to find in all of, of, of the Gospels, uh, the strongest words that Jesus uses in the entire Bible, they're directed at the Pharisees. Like the time, he said, you hypocrites. You hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, but then you make that converse twice the child of hell that you are. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to read all of Galatians. And um, this week in your ECC mail, actually should be in your inbox right now, we've listed several great resources that you can use to take a deeper dive into the book of Galatians and get the most out of this amazing letter that's got so much relevance for our day. All right, well, in this series, we're going to spend most of our time in Galatians 5 and 6 because that's where Paul gets into his practical application. So let's take a look at this. Galatians chapter 5, uh, we'll turn to right now, verses 7 through 9. Verses 7 through 9. Paul writes to these Galatians, he goes, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. 
And then he says this, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. All right, let's talk about this. I love talking about this because it talks about running, something I used to be able to do. The, uh, the, the, the verses start out with a compliment. A compliment says, you were running well. And then it uses language from track, from cross country. Who cut in on you? That's when you're running. You know what we're talking about, Who run, You were running this good race. Who cut in on you? So that you're no longer running your stride. You're not running your race. You're having to run somebody else's race. Who cut in on you? Who did that, Paul asks. Because Paul says, whoever it was, that person wasn't sent from God. That person that cut in on you when you were running so well, that person wasn't from God. Then Paul says, be careful of teachers who are teaching a different gospel. As the saying goes, a little leaven will work its way through the whole loaf. Now, there's a number of different translations that we have out here. Some of them may use the word yeast. Um, that isn't as accurate as leaven, but it's, it's a word that we're more, more familiar with. What leaven was in that time and that place, they, it was something they used where if they wanted to make your loaf of bread rise, you would take a little piece of the old, you would work it into the new dough, and that little fermenting process would spread throughout the whole thing. That's how they used leaven. If you wanted to make your bread rise, you would use leaven. And leaven can be a really good thing. Really good thing. In fact, Jesus once said, the kingdom of heaven, it's like leaven that a woman took, she mixed into 60 pounds of flour. That's a lot of flour. And and it worked its way through the entire dough. Jesus said that. So here's where we're going with this series. What happens when it turns toxic? If leaven can work like that, if leaven has this power to spread throughout the whole loaf, what if that leaven turns toxic? There's a place to write this down too. That was one of the characteristics of these Pharisees. Their leaven was toxic. They had leaven. They were influencing people, but their leaven was toxic. I was working on this message and I had a flashback to a time when one of my dogs consumed a toxin. TC. I was just a young teen at the time and neither of my parents were home. And I've got a very vivid, painful memory of loading my dog into our car, of trying to race into town because we lived out in the country, to the vet, tears streaming down my face, my brother's in the back seat holding our dog. And those toxins spread throughout his whole body. Took the life, you know, of, of our dog. Toxic leaven is a bad combo. Toxic leaven is destructive. Toxic leaven takes something deadly and it spreads it out. It just goes and goes. That's what leaven does. Especially when it's in the hands of influencers. All right, let me share one more thing about the Pharisees in Jesus' day. Then we'll turn our attention to the Pharisees of our day. One more characteristic of the Pharisees of Jesus' day, people were afraid to oppose them. People feared them. And that fear of the Pharisees ran deep. Understandably so. The book of Acts. Read the book of Acts. When these Pharisees would show up on the scene, a group of people, sometimes who were very favorable and open to the gospel, they would turn into a mob. They would transform into a mob. And there's another interesting thing, and this is in Galatians. There's the pressure that religious influencers could exert. It was so strong 
that it even caused a post-Pentecost Peter to change when they came on the scene. He compromised when they came on the scene. Paul had to call Peter out. Can you imagine that? Well, if you know Paul, you could. He called everybody out. Okay, those were the Pharisees of Jesus' day. They were first century influencers. They rejected the gospel. Their leaven was toxic and people were afraid to oppose them. Now let's turn our attention to the new Pharisees. The new Pharisees. Here we go. The new Pharisees appear in every generation. Every generation. They identify, not as Pharisees, they identify as Christian. They spread a different gospel and they often will target those who don't share their stance. They appear in every generation. They identify as Christian. They spread a different gospel and they often target those who don't share their stance. As Christianity spread throughout the world, the Pharisee brand died out. It just died out completely. But something more insidious, something more insidious took its place. And they were influencers who would identify as Christians, but they were spreading a different gospel. And I don't doubt many of their sincerity. I think a lot of them thought, we are doing God's will, as did the Pharisees of Jesus' day. And over the years, over the years, they have spread a gospel plus. Over the years, people have been pressured to take sides on things like infant baptism or believer baptism, on things like all hymns or no hymns, on things like pianos and pipe organs or guitars and drums, on things like women can lead and teach and women can't lead and teach. Or change is bad, change is good. So those have been happening for years. In our day, it seems like right now, every month, there is a new purity test. If you are on God's side, it means this. You choose this side or the other. Topical Bible teaching or verse-by-verse Bible teaching. Follow all the CDC guidance for COVID or reject all the CDC guidance for COVID. Always vote Republican, always vote Democrat. Skinny jeans for worship leaders, no skinny jeans for worship leaders. These are the things that divide us. Let's go back to our text. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 14. 13 through 15. Look at, look at Paul's words. He says, you're called to freedom, brothers, sisters. But don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, what does it say? Through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now see if verse 15 doesn't have some relevance. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. The reason we're doing this series is there is a clear and present danger. I see it every day, every day. If I could put a label on what we're talking about today, I'd use the label for biohazard. In fact, I think that's the, the icon that we've had up behind me there. That's the icon. That is, that is the, the symbol for biohazard. I, I am seeing churches split, split churches, entire churches split over these new purity tests that are Bible plus. I'm seeing friends. I'm seeing families divided by influencers who are putting their opinions before solid doctrine. 
And in the week ahead, <laughs> in the weeks ahead, when the kids are back in kids' church, we're going to have a very candid, grown-up conversation about some very sensitive topics, about what this is doing to our witness and why we're doing this series right before the series we do on gender. This all plays in. For the record, there are legitimate things that should separate us. There are legitimate things of, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, this is where it's not. There are some things that are spelled out in Scripture that are very explicit. But in Galatians 5, 6, Paul reminds us of what those things are. You know, what really counts. And he says, what really counts. In the passage right before the, the, um, the one we read in starting verse 7, in, in 5, 6, he says, what really counts, it's faith expressing itself through love. So that's what really counts. When you lose sight of that, all you got is empty religion. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. amen. Jesus said, Luke 12, 1, he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of what you hear them teaching, what you see them modeling. He used the word hypocrites, but in that time, in that place, it was, a, it was from theater. It was a theater term. He says, what you're seeing, it's theater. It's theater, what you're seeing in the Pharisees. The way of the Pharisee is not the way of our Father who art in heaven. So what we're going to discuss in the weeks ahead, it matters. It matters a lot. I invite you to write this down. Few things will affect your entire life like the leaven you consume. Isn't that true? When you see what people are listening to, in fact, just, um, just this last week I was having lunch with, with one of my friends, and he started to tell this, this story of these watching his, his close friends, friends for years, for decades, changing over time. And he said, you know who they've been listening to? And I said a name, and he's like, oh, how did you know? This Christian influencer. Because I've seen that happen too. We listen to these people, and it can change us. It can change us. In this series, again, we're going to have a conversation about how we can identify 11 that's hazardous to our personal health and how we can protect ourselves from becoming disciples of a new Pharisee rather than a disciple of Jesus of Nazareth. And we're not just going to have a conversation about how this can help us as individuals. Here's the next thing that I invite you to write down. This is also true. Few things will affect our life together like the leaven that you consume. Because what happens when you consume leaven and you're part of a community? The leaven spreads. Can we show of hands? How many of you have seen that happen before? You've seen it, something come in. Look at that. Oh, wow. I don't think... Hands all over the place. Maybe your hands are up at home too. We've seen it happen. It comes in, leaven comes in, something toxic, and it spreads. When I was in Kansas City this summer for the annual meeting of our denomination... I have never heard so many pastors in one place using the word trauma to describe their experience, what's happening in their churches. The conflict within their individual congregations, but also our denomination as a whole. They were using the word trauma. Never heard so many people using that. And in my lifetime, I've never seen so many people fleeing churches. Fleeing. I'll use that word, fleeing because it becomes toxic. What they see is toxic. And they're like, something that was once good, I can't stay there anymore. Okay. 
Anyone want to hear some good news? <laughs> Let's talk about good news. The gospel is good news. Remember that Jesus taught us this leaven principle works both ways, doesn't it? The leaven principle works both ways. Few things will affect your life in positive ways, like the leaven that you consume. I just got goosebumps on that. Good seed, good seed in good soil. And few things will affect our life together in positive ways, like the leaven you consume. Have you ever been around someone who comes to a new authentic faith in Jesus? It's beautiful. Back when Paul the Christian was Saul the Pharisee, he was toxic. He was as toxic as toxic comes. But Saul the Pharisee was transformed through an encounter with the resurrected Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to see a contrast. We're going to look at Saul the Pharisee, who once let off toxic radiation. That's next week. We're going to talk about radiation. He had a toxic radiation. What can happen if we've got good leaven coming in us? What can we radiate? You ever seen people that radiate so much light and warmth? We're also going to look at Saul the Pharisee. He had this destructive fire. We're going to, flammable is the name of week three. Because some people are flammable. They just outburst on everything. But that flame can be a source of light and warmth that's spread throughout the world. So let's get the principle of leaven working for us, not against us. And it starts with this practical invitation, the last blank in your notes. Is Jesus the Lord of your media consumption? Yes, I did say it. At first, I'm like, is Lord of your podcasts? It's got to be more than that. Lord of your news feeds? More than that. Lord of your socials? More than that. It's... The agendas are in movies, TVs, right? Are you going to let Jesus be the Lord of what you're consuming? Because a little leaven will work its way through, not just you, but into others as well. Over the next three weeks, we're gonna, as we begin to identify what the leaven of the new Pharisees look like, will you make a decision? If I'm taking in leaven that's toxic, will I allow Jesus to be Lord of that content? And will I filter it out in appropriate ways, as I would any other biohazard? All right, well, let me close with this quote, and then we're going to lead us in a time of reflection and response uh, that we call Holy Communion. Here's the quote. When the church as a whole is no longer seen as speaking to questions that transcend politics, and when it's no longer united by a common faith that transcends politics, then the world sees strong evidence that Nietzsche and Freud and Marx were right, that religion was just a cover for people wanting to get their way in the world. May that not be true of us. The Pharisees of Jesus' day, what were they looking for? They were looking for a Messiah who was going to come and do what the other conquering leaders did. Isn't there a lot of that today? It's tempting for us to do the same, to conform to the patterns of this world and find a few proof texts in the Bible to support it. Today, you've got an opportunity to say yes to a better way.
a better way, the way of Jesus, to do it for the first time or for the first time again. And we want to make that opportunity tangible, concrete, to make that opportunity visible, tangible, through the sacrament that we call Holy Communion. If you're new to our church, when we commemorate communion together, we commemorate this real event as told here in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. Our Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's so much that the Bible doesn't say about communion. So we try our best to not be Bible plus. It doesn't give a specific age. It doesn't prescribe a specific method. It doesn't prescribe a specific type of bread or wine. So we choose not to divide over those things. What we choose to unite over is what the Bible does say. And here's something that it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 and 28. Let a person examine themselves and so eat of the bread, drink of the cup. And Emmanuel, the only one's going to keep you from the Lord's table is you. If you can sincerely pray these prayers that we're about to pray together, then we invite you, we welcome you to join us at the Lord's table. After we pray and you make these prayers your own, Those of you at home, we invite you to take your your bread, dip it in your wine or juice, and as you do, remember, this was the body and blood of Jesus Christ given for you. Here at the studio, we're not going to have any ushers telling you that it's time for you to go forward. We'd rather have that be something personal, that the Holy Spirit is the one ushering you forward. So as the Lord leads, we invite you to come and join us. And we have kneelers in the back. You've got got space here as we worship and... um, gathered together in this moment. All right, let's do it now. Let's pray. I invite you to pray um, with us at home, wherever you are. Heavenly Father, to whom all hearts and minds are open and all desires are known, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may more perfectly love you and more worthily magnify your holy name. We confess that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. We are not worthy for these gifts which we are about to receive, but say the word and we will be made clean. Lord, I pray for my friends that are gathered here and gathered at homes and cabins all around this area and and beyond. Father, first I pray that, that anything that was spoken that was not of you would be filtered out. Lord, we also pray that that this deep humility that we try to live with would also come through, that we for, especially for those who don't know us, that, that, that they could feel this, this very real state that we, we try to live in where we don't think of ourselves as better than anybody else. We, we, we pray these words because we, we mean them. But Lord, you, you said that we are to not be judging those outside the church, but 
we're to hold one another accountable. And, and so, Lord, we want to try to do that, hold one another ourselves accountable to these, these teachings of your word. So, Lord, we pray that among other things that you bring to mind, that if there are influencers that we're listening to that, that are putting leaven into our hearts and into our minds that's spreading in a toxic way, would you tell us right now who those people are and what those sources are that we may instead turn to voices that are going to bring in the good that will spread in our hearts and our minds, reminding us of who you are, reminding us of who we are. And Lord, we're so thankful for these things like communion that you've given us that bring us together. And we're thankful for this prayer that now we join our voices in praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.